Brooklyn Day. But more importantly, more importantly, this is the day where I thought Mike Petruski was going to get his hair cut. And, and look, the image on screen, just it just hasn't. What happened, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is. There it is. There it is. The hair is gone. Wow. Wow. Three months worth of growth has been removed from my head. So you saw it yesterday, folks. It had, uh, the, the 80s were living on here at OSW Daily as my flowing hair fantastic now back to my normal cut so yeah it felt good felt you good. you look odd going in for that haircut but it was good uh we'll get to the oddness that you feel let's focus on your hair right now because I know how oh, much sure, you love sure. you love you love us to do that you know <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, but you look younger you look thinner you look healthier it, it's amazing what a little haircut would do you know that's what I was going for, the younger, <laughs> thinner look. Um, That's yeah, good. I feel like I lost five pounds off the top of my head. So well, You probably did with the amount of hair you had. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse. But, no, it was, uh, it was an experience, though, Steve. It was kind of that taste of what it's like getting back into living with COVID and going yeah. back to th some things that we just took for granted, going to get a haircut, going into a restaurant, going into our workplaces. And... The first taste for me, really, I mean, I've been to the grocery store, I've ordered takeout, I haven't really done anything else um, besides those things. So this was my first interaction with others, and it was a very interesting experience because they had protocols in place, much like our workplace will have, right? Mm -hmm. As, and many of those out there listening, if you're already back to work and you have experiences, stories, what's working, what's not, I want to hear about that. And that's something I'll probably talk about on my live stream today at noon Eastern. Uh, workplace innovator live stream every Wednesday, but the experience yesterday, you know, I had to wait for my hair dresser, and it is a woman. I go to a, a salon. I don't go to a barbershop, Steve. There's a lot of special needs going on here as far as my hair. Hey, it does not <laughs> surprise me, Mike. It does not surprise me. <laughs> but she, I had to call her. She had to come and unlock the door, let me in. I had to go through mm -hmm. a, a screening process. They took my temperature. I had a Put out a questionnaire, you know, have I been exposed to COVID-19? Do I have any symptoms? Uh, hand sanitizer, PPE, you know, I had a mask on. And my, my uh, hairdresser had a mask on. And I tell you, it was, uh, it was a good experience. It was it, everything that could be done to make me feel as comfortable as possible in that setting was done. And although there was still that human interaction in a room for a half an hour, uh, which you can't be 100% sure that that everybody's germs is, are contained or, or, you know, there's no way to do that. I felt pretty comfortable. And uh, it's something that next time I do it, it'll be even that much easier. I think that's going to be the, the routine is that we, we do these things once and we go back and, and it's easier the next time and we get used to it. So yeah, that's my experience. And, and this is the result. So, uh, so no more uh, Conan O'Brien for at least the moment. We'll see if uh, the Conan look comes back at some point, but this is, this is the, the real Mike P. No, that's great, man. It's great. And uh, so were you the only person in the salon at the time or were there other customers? Yeah, this particular salon, there might have been others in it, but she, it, she has a, her own little room. So you walk into a into a big salon oh, building yeah. and each each uh, artiste, hairdresser, art, you know, has their own little uh, closed off. Almost like, almost like everybody has a private office. It's interesting. that And, and think about it. So you just said that. But if you have a workplace like that, where there are many still private offices, I see that being a, an easier transition back into 
uh, routine than, than maybe where you had a lot of open spaces and you have to now partition people off and figure out how to keep uh, physical distancing. So, but this was, this was very much, but it was still two of us in the same small space. We were certainly not uh, physically distanced while she's cutting my hair. So right, she's right, right there around me the whole time. So right. that, that, that thought crosses my mind, but it crosses my mind all the time when I'm right. in a situation like that. You know, Mr. Germaphobe has always had those, those worries. So it's something we just have to, to, you know, learn to deal with and, and uh, hope and pray for the best for each of us. And, and certainly I am um, thankful that I'm not among the most vulnerable, uh, although I do have my vulnerabilities. Certainly uh, it's something that is okay for me where others, it's going to be tough. Some people may have to continue to uh, keep that, that space or do it themselves and, and adapt and, and many have. So the question around workplace, though, Steve, what was the day? I'm sorry, before we go into workplace, I have a lot of thoughts about workplace. I heard an interesting podcast about the future of work and the return to work that I want to share with you. But what was the day today? Today is so running on World Cycling Day. You were so excited for your big reveal. Oh. Is, is, that what you're, is that what you're excited about, Mike? Running and World Cycling Day. Yeah, I, yeah, love, it. Cycling. I love it. Do you, do you, I'm a, I was a runner for, for most of my life. I've been running, and, and just in recent weeks, I've had these uh, heel and foot injuries that have prevented me from running and I am really bummed out by it. So I was considering getting a, a cycling equipment of some kind or yeah, a Peloton. Yeah. You know, is the big rage certainly these yeah. days. Have you, uh, do you have any experience? Yeah. So, I mean, I, obviously I, as growing up, I played a lot of soccer, um, played almost every hour of every day that I could growing up. Uh, I then got into running, um, probably actually when I came to New York, and I fell in love with running. I've run a couple of marathons, half marathons, and so on and so forth, and I love it. And then um, I got, as I got older, that became more and more challenging just for my my joints and so on and so forth. So then I got into cycling, and I love cycling. I love just getting out for a couple of hours on the bike. A little bit more than two hours is just uh, it's it's it's, wow. not, it's not it's not so much that it's it's too much for me as I can do it, but it just like it just becomes a big time commitment to uh, mm-hmm. to go for longer because you the time before, the time after, and. Uh, and then out on the bike, but I, I love cycling. I think it is. You gear it's, up. You have the yeah. whole. Yeah. Oh, of course. In the, in the helmet. Of course, and, of course, of course. Spandex. Are you wearing spandex? It's it's. Little, <laughs> little I, shoes. I, yes, and the little shoes, the clip-ins. Clamped in. Yeah, clamped in. Oh, of course, of course. And then obviously, whenever you get to that level, Mike, you then actually have to buy the bike that sort of makes you look and makes you oh. go faster. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 nothing it's about expensive. me whatsoever. It's it's all about the bike, healthy. you know. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. It's all about appearances. It is. It like, is. Do you have to do you have to get the same workout? I've always figured running was the easiest because there's very little equipment, just a good pair of sneakers, or running shoes, and then it's just the time to get a good workout is pretty brief compared to when I go on a bike. It seems it's a longer journey to get that same level of exertion. Is that true? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And also running, you can adjust, you can adjust your running style and pace, obviously, to, to accommodate how you're feeling that day. And, and it's not that you can't do the same on the bike, but the bike is, it does take longer. It's a more of a time commitment. And, uh, but I, I, I just love it. I just love getting out and, um, especially on Long Island, um, there's so many places to go and, you know, the app, the apps that are available today, you know, you go onto map my ride, you can put in, you know, I want to cycle, you know, maybe it's 30, 40, 50, 60 miles, whatever it is you want to do. And right. based from your destination, it'll give you a cycling map on how you do that from your current position, returning to your, your current position. So it's great. Oh, wow. and, and that way, what it allows you to do is to see a lot of places uh, very quickly. Um, and uh, it, it just varies the routine. So I love it. 
last summer I went on vacation. I took my bike with me uh, just so I could get out and cycle where I was on vacation. You know, Good so it, you. in Florida, in Delaware, wherever it was, it was. It's just awesome. I just love, and especially when you get the hot weather. I, I'm what I would call, Mike, a really good weather cyclist. So if it's a okay. little bit cold, if it's a little bit damp, I, I won't go out in the bike. Uh, but yeah. if it's nice, hot weather, that's that's when I love it. I just I just love so getting out. Do you have an indoor alternative for this? I do, I do, yeah. So I actually have a, a turbo trainer where I can sort of take the back wheel off, attach it to this trainer, and I also have a spin oh, okay. bike, a spin bike, yeah. So I, I do have, not to say that they were used that much this winter, Mike. That would be uh, a liar misleading of me to say they were used frequently. Um, they, they were not, but I do I do have some toys to play with should I wish to uh, do some indoor work. But uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love it, I love it. Um, so... Just uh, navigating back onto the workplace, because I know you, you want to have share some thoughts. Um, I just want to sort of t touch on the, the title, if I may, Mike, and then we can sort of dovetail into what, what you have on your mind and given that podcast that you listen to. And the title is Radical Openness and Why Some Companies Are Shy About It. And, and this is, I, I published an, a video this morning that I did with Andrew Sagal, who basically his whole organization, I might mention a day or two ago about his, his, his mindset that Boxer Properties, Stemmons Enterprise, the two, the two organizations, one he's a CEO and one he's a co-founder of, his ethos and the company's ethos is total transparency. So whether you are someone who's interested in the products, whether you're a competitor, or whether you're just curious, that you can come into their organization, you can sit in on their internal meetings, you can download their uh, files, their manuals, everything, and therefore you can take whatever you want away with you. And mm. that level of transparency, you kind of think, well, that's so such a contrast to the environment and, and the sort of the market that we operate in. It's everything's gated and no one really has that. And he sort of went, he says, well, if you think about that radical transparency, whenever I, they share something with other people, other people are so touched by what they do that they actually give them information back. Now, whenever you do that at scale, you're giving the same information to everybody, the same information to everybody, but the information you're getting back may be tenfold or maybe 15-fold, depending on how many people you're sharing. And that response and that feedback and the openness that they're prepared to give, he, he believes has allowed his organization to rapidly be successful. And it's a really, really interesting mindset. And I, I sort of poked at it a little bit, and I says, you know, it's so different to how this industry of ours operates. And he goes, often, why organizations are or hide behind a gate is because they're shy of actually showing that maybe what they're selling isn't quite all there or they're shy about somebody stealing their their thoughts their ideas or whatever it is there's two aspects there and yeah. um, he challenges that because actually that that transparency allows you to radically in innovate and rapidly progress so i, I don't know i just want to share share that because i thought it was really important i think it's a really interesting aspect um yeah. and it's and it's I almost what was what I found more interesting was so I had that interview and then the the, the interview I in, uh, released on Andrew Mawson, it's almost like he was coming from the same position of 
openness and sharing how his company was structured, how he sort of set up his business and allowing organizations to sort of see how he does that. And I just feel there's more openness coming in this environment. Yeah, absolutely. And this has forced a lot of folks to re-examine their philosophy if it was a different one. And yeah. transparency and the word vulnerability comes to mind for me. It's something that you're willing to open up and and share your true feelings, share your your policies, your your processes. I hope that's the case. I, I think it's a good trend and, and I'm interested in hearing more of of your guests and and his philosophy because it is a f philosophical mindset right and, and yep. i think this is something i probably best understood from the side of a of a vendor or a service provider working with other service providers to maybe partner over the years because you go do a lot of industry events meetings collaborative opportunities and trade shows what whatever that's really my experience you know working now for a big software company before it was in the printing industry but it was the same human beings same types of barriers to collaboration because you have some with a a very open uh transparent way of doing business and a a philosophy that's really driven by an abundance perspective they believe there's a lot of business out there there's a lot of different people i can't serve everybody so so i don't see my my competitors as a threat i see that we each have a role to play and and certainly we'll fight for certain opportunities that we both may be able to fulfill that need, but I don't really get scared because I know I have a good product or a good service or a good offering that if the choice is not made to go with me and it's made to go with my competitor, I'm okay with that because it was on me, something I didn't do right or my company didn't do, didn't fit right. There's another philosophy and it, it translates probably to this situation is this scarcity mindset. There's there's a scarcity, there's, there's not enough business out there, we're all fighting for the same customers and if I gotta protect what I have, I can't tell you who my customers are, I can't tell you who my prospects are, I can't, I don't wanna see you at those same events that I'm at. And, and I think that's, a lot of people have that mindset and, and in some cases where it's an industry where it's a very much a commodity and there's very little differentiation between organizations that may be a a wise way to go, just try to protect what's yours and keep everybody else out. But I, I don't think that's the case today. I think we're in, in a world of complicated problems, the need for different solutions, different innovative approaches, and that philosophy of openness, vulnerability, abundance, and, and you know, working towards solutions together is one that's gonna to win out. And certainly now in this pandemic environment where really none of us know the answers, there's some near-term problems we can try to solve based on our experience of, of the past and understanding of what we can do here. But the long-term solution and this journey we're on together, Rex Miller said it on my podcast yesterday very well, the leader, the true leader today is not someone who has all the answers. He's someone who, he or she, is someone who is a guide, who's willing to cast a vision of, of broadly where we wanna go, you know, caring for our employees, caring for the workforce, caring for our businesses, you know, reaching our 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 business outcomes that we're designed to do our mission what's our mission knowing that's the vision and then just knowing that that this journey is a hero's journey of we don't know what's around the next corner what's in the next you know uh situation that's going to arise and then how can we navigate it together and a, and a leader will carry us through as things go mm -hmm. so yeah I, I i i love that that philosophy and i have some questions about uh, your guest is it Andrew? It was the guest. Yeah, Andrew. Um, yeah. That if he's so transparent, 
is he willing to share or has he shared the protocols around return to work and all the different angles that go with that because that's an area where you're hearing some organizations share their playbook and others yeah. keeping it kind of close to the vest no he, he shares everything um he says he's very happy for everyone to take and download everything all his manuals all his checklists that he uses for all his properties um wow. yeah he's, he's very open with that and uh he did mention obviously he's based in texas he did speak oh, okay. to he did speak to the fact that uh with texas being one of the first states that opened his his business has benefited from that it's also allowed yeah. a lot of his staff to get back to to work um, he does believe in having office and having people in the office, um, more for that camaraderie and people and collaboration and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's a really interesting conversation. He's he's so transparent, you know. And it's and, and, and as, as you interview and everything, you know, you, you talk about your guest, the the empathy, the transparency, the amount they're prepared to share these days is 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 fantastic. So it's just great to have the conversations and and be able to bring the audience uh you know these insights and and uh you know these opinions because we all have our own viewpoints and it's important that we do listen to others and we allow that other information to provide us with a more informed mindset so that whenever we're asked to express something then we can sort of pull from different threads and, and different viewpoints sure yeah, yeah and, and i don't want to spoil everything and everybody should go watch the interview with andrew that you're referring to i know i will but is there anything you can offer as far as did he have any experience so far with the last few weeks as Texas has reopened and has yeah he, yeah has I he mean been successful in bringing people back yeah no he has and uh, he he does share on on the video that uh, he's actually really surprised one by how many new leases he's done two how many retail tenants he's collected from through this time and actually how buoyant. Um, the market is and he's actually been able to go and acquire a couple of more buildings so it's wow. it's it's almost things are progressing things are moving for him and uh, you know it's 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 fantastic and, and it's it's interesting to hear the paradigm between how things are in Texas and how things are operating where you are and where, where I am in New York it's just it's just so different to sort of see those uh, those different experiences and uh, how, how things are moving forward once once I see yeah, a, a are they following the, the, the CDC guidelines? Yeah. You know, last week yeah. one of your most popular videos, our most popular videos. I'll I was on it, but I didn't didn't contribute much. I'll take give you the full credit for it. But the CDC guidelines, you know, really uh, were released last week, and you did a nice job of summarizing those as it as it pertains to return to work and workplace protocols, and uh, that seemed to catch a lot of eyeballs. Is is Texas following those CDC guidelines, as far as you can tell, or is it more of I a didn't, I wild, didn't get, wild west? <laughs> it's, it's a great question. It's a great question. And, and you may know more because of your eye office location, but uh, we didn't get into that conversation, to be honest. Mm. One other thing we did get into, which was, which was fascinating, is their ability to, we talked about workplace happiness. So yeah. what is workplace happiness, and what does it mean for him as a CEO as he thinks about happiness of his employees? And one thing he mentioned, and I just, I'm just looking around for my notes to see um, if I have it in front because I don't want to misquote him. But in essence, yeah. it, it's, um, it no, I don't, I don't know where it is. Um, but in uh, any way, it's, it's, it's more of um, what he was saying was it's workplace happiness is great, but it's more about um, 
been able to tell when someone's about to be unhappy and how you can use AI to do that. So I know you, I lost you there for a little bit, Mike, and I'll just, just rephrase yep. what, what we said. Rather than trying to work out what happiness are, it's how do we learn when someone's about to be unhappy and then how can we interject at those moments? And what they're doing is using sentiment and information that they're collecting and AI to predict when someone's moving into that unhappy uh, phase. So that may well be, you know, it uses a variety of examples. Maybe it's how they message, uh, or how they send emails, how they communicate, how they look as they move through. And obviously, he operates a very open workplace and a very open organization to be able to collect a lot of this information, but then it allows, allows his organization to be able to uh, interject when they think that there's behavior that is leading up to somebody perhaps leaving the company or someone's a little unhappy or a little stressed. Fantastic conversation. Wow. You know, and that's, we, we got Are a lot. doing that now? Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. is that something that we, okay. Interesting, because that, that brings a lot of thoughts to mind and it does tie back to this return to work in the COVID-19 era and with the virus. I heard this podcast I mentioned mm -hmm. at the top that, got into a lot of the, the legal side of things and I know we're not experts in that area but certainly there are laws on the books and then there are going to be new guidelines around the CDC and then also then there's the, the legal employment law I think it's OSHA and um, for, for occupancy or for, for safety uh, issues and then there's another acronym another governmental agency that again long standing guidelines that are in place for protection of people's rights and privacy, for example, like you can't, as an employer, they can't ask about our medical history or the medical history typically of those I think in it's our HIPAA. family. There's a HIPAA is a HIPAA? HIPAA is one of the medical guidelines, uh, but okay. in, the, in the context of, of employment law, mm. there was another acronym that okay. you'd know it if I said it. Um, but the point being that <clears throat> some of those things um, either have been altered or, or modified or, or there's an understanding now that because of COVID-19, because that virus represents a significant potential threat to an organization, we do, or employers, organizations do have a right to ask if you have the disease, even test you for the disease. It's already been kind of determined that, that you can take an, a, a person's temperature before they walk into a, a facility. You can ask if they um, have been exposed to anyone with the virus, you can um, ask those guidelines. You can't say, does anybody in your family have the disease necessarily, uh, pointedly. Um, but again, that's, these are all kind of new uncharted territories around the, the employer-employee relationship. And that's where, again, we, we always come back, in, in my perspective, to trust and, and transparency and culture and leadership. If you've built those things up and you have that trusted rapport and you are all in the same page trying to get to the same destination you may be more open about things than you would be if you distrust or have a lack of belief in the in the motives of those asking the questions so for example that for my side heading into the hairdresser yesterday i didn't even take time to really read all the fine print i could have been signing away any uh, right to uh and again i just trust this is a a woman i've had cut my hair for 20 years and and the salon she works with I, I can't imagine it's just not my default to say if I was to cap, cap if I was to get sick from going in there for some reason if, if all these protocols were put into place and 
for some reason, if I could say, well, that's I probably picked up COVID-19 when I was there. My first thought just is I would not be like, I'm going to sue that salon for giving it to me. I, I, I'm operating under this assumption we're all in this together. We're facing challenges. We need to be in uh, a, a place where do our personal responsibility of, of protecting ourselves. And if we do that, we're protecting others. I'm not going to be pointing the fingers at others if something goes wrong. But what happens if there's folks in your workplace that do not follow the protocols, do not wear the mask, do not keep social physical distance? That's when you get into some of those potential concerns. And, and I know there's uh, an interesting journey ahead as, as some of these cases come come forward. Um, yeah, but, but we'll see. I, and I think I think I I, I, um, I hope as, as my hope always is and you know, you and I, Steve, are, I think, on the same page as, as we're always looking to others' well-being and others' perspective, even if it may be different from our own, trying to be empathetic and lead that way and, and try to accommodate as many as we can. But, but there are some ways you, you can't 100% cover everyone's needs and you can't 100% mitigate all the risks at, at, out in life. So we just have to uh, do what we can and then hope for the best. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, to sort of take that sentiment that you just mentioned, and as I think about sort of the peers that I talk to and the forums and, and groups that I'm part of, I, I think there's there's no one way or one consistent way I'm sort of seeing as organizations um, tackle it. Tackle it, maybe the wrong word, but manage that, right? You know, for in an office environment, what happens if someone isn't following the protocols, other people are, how do you do that? What I'm saying is people are just like, well, no, we have, we'll have a policy. We'll have a, a general policy. It won't be an enforceable policy. Some are saying, no, we will have a forcible policy. We're actually going to bring in security guards who will actively monitor and ensure people are following. And, right. and, and I'm sure it probably varies uh, city by city, state by state, country by country, because there are different things and, and different uh, sentiment and perspectives that uh, need to be thought through. So I think it's something that every organization is actively monitoring. I think the the hope, not just from organizations, but the employees who are going to go into the office and the employees who probably need to go into the office, because that's who's probably going to go in in this first go around, right? Those who need to sure. get out of their environments and, and, uh, um, and sort of get into it just to get space. And it, it's really hoping that those people all interact together and collectively look out for each other as a, as a community um, as, as, as sort of we move through these phase, initial phases. So it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. Um, one other thought sort of come through my head, and maybe we touch on it tomorrow as I sort of give you some time to, to digest it, Mike. Mm, okay. You know, so give me that twenty-four hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let you sleep on it. You know. Um, so, as as we sort of think about employees who are in large cities like New York, Boston, Chicago, San Francisco, London, who maybe have spent these last three months and the upcoming months in a small apartment, you know, maybe sharing with roommates, maybe not sharing with roommates, but kind of. A little scared to be outside to move around with freedom what is going to be their reaction and sentiment to remaining in those locations once the lockdown opens or is lifted will they be as um, excited to remain in those locations 
or will they actively look to relocate to a, a, a different city, town, suburb? I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Um, and I'd be curious to know if people have some thoughts to share below. But it's something that's gone through my head. It's sort of bubbled over the last couple of days. And, uh, you know, we, we, we can follow up and talk about it tomorrow. Or if you have some initial reaction or thoughts to it, I'd love to hear. Yeah, I, I'd like to think about it more, yeah. but I have some initial thoughts and I've seen some anecdotal or I've heard anecdotal stories around movement, macro kind of trends that are developing here. And it was one of the biggest ones. And again, I have to investigate further. But just hearing some stories around real estate and houses selling very quickly and even during this last two, three months where you know, most of us kind of just went into freeze mode. Everything kind of paused. The economy went on pause. Our jobs went on pause, or at least working at an office went on pause. We all decided to work from home. And, and we were just kind of in this chaotic situation. Well, some and these trends, I guess, will be revealed in the coming months and even years. So it's an interesting question that we'll explore because, you know, how these big crisis situations affect society are, are certainly interesting areas of exploration for for me and for us so you know when people be moving from the cities out to the suburbs will they want to get more as you mentioned more space um maybe they want to have they realize that they do want to work from home and they need more of a home mm -hmm. office I'm, I'm already in that situation you are as mm -hmm. well so we didn't think about those things but yeah there's there's a lot of angles to to approach and then i, I don't know if you were trying to get to this but the question i really am curious about is when we shift from we're all in this together we're to individuals making individual choices and and some have different opinions some have different levels of fear or comfort in the return to the workplace how does that impact our dynamics in the office setting and in, in organizations it's something i'm interested in seeing mm, mm. no absolutely and that's sort of where it was sort of like yeah to your point right the steps that where my head was going so yeah all right well we can pick this we can pick this up tomorrow because i think it's a very interesting conversation and i think you're right with the trends you know the the people migrating um and i think that's going to be really interesting to see how that goes but uh mike i'm so happy you got your hair cut uh, i'm so glad <laughs> how much younger you look and i appreciate Great. again Thank having you. this chat with you this morning I don't feel much younger, but thank you, Steve. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> Have a great day, man. You too, mate. You too, mate. Cheers. Bye.